Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. God has good plans for your life. The Bible says plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Maybe you don't know that. Maybe you walked through these doors for the the first time. So first of all, let me say welcome. Man, so glad you are here. And I hope that not only you feel welcome, but more than that, you feel like you're wanted here. Because you don't have to believe everything that we believe in order to belong here. Just keep coming back. Keep kicking the tires, keep leaning in, and God will reveal more and more of those good plans that He has for your life. I believe that. Speaking of good plans, can I share some good news with you guys? At the end of last year, we did a Kingdom Builder offering, talking about a a youth center that we want to build uh, attached to this building. Uh, just to reach the next generation. Our heart really is uh, about reaching and equipping the next generation to stand strong in their faith because the world is crazy, right? We, we know that, we agree. And a lot of different levels, but it's also beautiful. And it's beautiful that we get to be a part of it. And so can I just, vision is not about projects. It's not about building buildings. I want you to know that. Like we have a vision that is a God-sized vision, and that is to change the spiritual climate in this city. Like that's the vision, that's the goal. Change the spiritual climate in your homes, in your families, in your workplaces, really turn hearts back to God. I mean, that's only a God-sized vision, right? We can't do that. It's gonna take a miracle. However, we get to be a part of it, and we get to have projects, and and we get to, to help be a part of building what we believe God wants to build through this church in this city. And can I tell you, at the end of last year, you gave above and beyond, check it out, $290,000. Come on, towards building. That's something we can celebrate. That's awesome. And that's to help get the project started, get it off the ground. We are meeting with the architects and contractors and the mall people uh, in just a couple weeks. They've already given me a, a timeline a little bit from a contractor, but can I tell you something? I'm not telling you what it is because we know these things can happen differently. And so like, I don't need you emailing me and calling me like, when's this thing? Like, I don't know, but I believe, and I'm hoping that it will be expedited, that we're gonna fast track it and it'll get done sooner than we think. That would be awesome. But God's got good plans and we're excited about what he's building. Pray with me, Heavenly Father, thank you for the provision. Thank you for what you are doing in this house. God, thank you for what we get to be a part of in this city physically, but more than that, spiritually. Helping to set the table for hearts to come back to God, for hearts to be turned back to you, God. We know it's only your spirit that can do that. And we believe you're gonna do that today. God, we believe that people will find freedom today. People will return home to the Father today. God, we believe that as your word is open, It opens up something in our heart and in our mind challenging us. And so that's what we want. We don't want to walk through the motions. God, we want to continue to take another step towards you. So help us do that today. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. Hey, wave at three people. Wave at three people. Just wave at them today before you sit down. Wave at them from a distance. Maybe you see somebody you like. Oh, hey, speaking of somebody you like, starting next week, 
I am starting a new message series called Uncensored. We're talking about love and marriage and sex and relationships. It's going to be hot and heavy. It's going to be awesome. So make sure you come back next week. I love kicking off a, a relationship series on around Valentine's Day. But here's just a little note. If you have children in the room that are elementary and under, this is a great time to check out Elevate Kids. All right, just so you know, next week, I'm telling you now. However, if you have middle schoolers in this room, they should be in this room. They should be here. Your middle schoolers need to hear what God's Word says about love and sex and relationships. I'm telling you, if they don't hear it here, they're hearing it at school, right? And so we, let's equip them with God's way. So that's gonna start next week. But today, let me read a verse that's gonna help kind of set the tone for where I believe God wants us to go. John chapter eight, verse 31 says, Jesus said to the people who believed in him. So that's some of us in this room, might not be all of us, but there are probably many of us in this room who have put our faith in Jesus. He said, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth And the truth will what? Come on. You didn't know that came from God's word, perhaps. But there it is. But we are descendants of Abraham, they said. We have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean we, we will be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. And a slave is not a permanent member of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, then you are truly free or you are free indeed here's what I believe and here's where we're going in order to be truly free you must be in family that's the key that we have to be in family I want to preach from this title today family forever family forever Heavenly Father as we open up your word I pray that it would do its intended purpose your word says it won't go out without accomplishing what you want it to, and so let it not fall on deaf ears today. God, I pray that we would be open and receptive, God, that it would cut through joint and marrow because it is living and active and has the ability to speak to the issues that we are facing. And so, Holy Spirit, guide us, lead us, lead us into truth and knowledge through your holy word. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Today, I wanna talk about not just how we experience freedom, but how we stay there how we live in the freedom that God says we can have, that Jesus came to give us because we all want to be free. And you can have free freedom in a moment. Like the moment you surrender your life to Jesus and call on his name, the Bible says you are, are free. In fact, you are free from the penalty of your sin. And that's good news. It says your sin is removed as far as the east is from the west. And so that's, that's the good news. But then how do we stay there? How do we stay free? How do we live in that that freedom? Because let's be honest, a lot of us experience freedom, you know, to a degree or freedom to, you know, a certain level, or maybe we have freedom in our life for a season. Maybe at the beginning of the year, you said, hey, I'm gonna, you know, we're gonna give up these things or that things. You had some New Year's resolutions and about two, three weeks in, you already bailed on them, right? You had freedom perhaps for a minute, but how do we stay free? How do we keep from backsliding? Remember that word? That was, a, that was a pretty popular word in Christian circles back in the 1990s, right? Backsliders. Well, Jesus predicted this would happen to us. 
that we would have this tendency to go backwards, to drift back. And so he says this in Luke chapter 11, verse 24, look at it. When an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert searching for rest. But when it finds none, it says, I will return to the person that I came from. That's a, that's a bummer right there. So it returns and it finds, look at it, that its former home, your life is swept clean and in order. So, so you feel like you got freedom from, from this thing. Maybe it was a sin pattern in your life. Maybe it was an addiction in your life and you finally felt like you got some traction and you're moving the right direction. He says, but watch out because look what happens next in that spirit find seven other spirits more evil than itself and they all enter the person and live there. And so that person is worse off than before. Welcome to Elevate Church. I'm just trying to encourage you today, get you fired up. I wonder if anyone can relate to this, that you found freedom for a minute. You found freedom for a season. Maybe it was an addiction that, that you, you had 30 days sobriety only to, to relapse. Or, or maybe it was you know, some, some sin pattern in your life that you finally felt like you were gaining some ground on only to fall backwards. Or maybe it was some, some Chick-fil-A waffle fries. You finally thought you were free and somebody showed up with waffle fries, right? And so you fell back into it. Jesus is warning us of this dynamic that most people aren't aware of. But listen, it does not have to be this way. In fact, Jesus is not telling us this, this story, giving us this verse to say it's going to happen. He's telling us so it doesn't happen. That it doesn't have to be this way in our, our life. In fact, here's what I believe he's saying. He's saying that when you've experienced a taste of freedom in your life, be careful not to think that the fight for freedom is over. Don't be careful not to get too, you know, kind of comfortable or relaxed in the freedom that you have because it's a pattern, it's a cycle. In fact, they're gonna come back and they're gonna come back with a vengeance. That's what he's saying. And the good news is, it's not a problem if you know what you're looking for and if you know what to do when it comes. And so my goal today really is to help us know what to do when that happens, when the cycle wants to repeat itself because this is a self-perpetuating cycle. And it's a cycle of, of destruction that's not just found in, in Christians and believers, but you can see this cycle, by the way, in governments, in societies, in countries, in marriages, in relationships. It's a cycle that never stops. And so here's what we all need to know and be aware of. You are not above this happening in your life. You are not beyond this in your life. We need to be looking for it because this cycle takes place because we all long for that word that we read at the beginning, free, being free, freedom. Somebody say freedom. In fact, let's put it up on the screen. Here's the, here's the we're all in bondage and we want this freedom. This, I feel like the spirit of William Wallace coming on today. Freedom, right, from Braveheart, if you remember. But you know why you want freedom? Because God put that inside of you. The Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And if you've given your life to follow Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you and it longs to be free. I mean, we all have this inside of us. There's something in us that does not want to stay and live in bondage over and over. So God will stir inside of you the sense of my life does not have to be this way. I don't have to stay here. I don't have to stay stuck in this pattern. I don't have to stay, stay stuck you know, with this, this addiction. 
And so the same spirit that lives in us, by the way, it's the same spirit that's led us to victories, victories like the Revolutionary War, victories uh, you know, of us longing to get out from under oppression or rule, or if you remember in school back in the day, taxation without representation, longing, longing for us to find our, our independence. It's that same, <clears throat> excuse me, same longing for freedom that lives inside of every single one of us. However, here's the problem. After freedom comes, put it up on the screen, prosperity. Why is that a problem? Colby, that doesn't seem like a, a problem. Well, every place you find freedom, whether it's governments, whether it's in you know, a country, whether it's a person, they experience a prosperity of, of soul or a prosperity of, and it's not always financial gain, but, but sometimes it is, it's, it's something. Freedom produces this sense of, man, my, my life is good. I got it all together. Like things are, are good. And so again, you might say, Colby, what's the problem with that? Well, prosperity often breeds complacency and pride. And so what happens when we get here and when we're prospering, we just kind of kick it into autopilot. And we think, I'm free, I'm good to go. Like I can just sit back, relax, and chill. And how that has played out in governments and how it's played out in spending, for example, here in the US is that we spend, 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 spend where only 60% of the government budget is covered by taxes. We have to borrow another 40% to cover taxes. Think if you were doing that in your own home. If you were spending 40% more than what you brought in. Some of you are doing that. You should stop that, by the way. Financial Peace University is your next step that you need to take. But it leads to the next part of this cycle, and not just in governments, but also in us, and that is every place you have freedom that you find prosperity, that if you don't know how to live in prosperity, you don't know how to act in prosperity, it leads you right back into bondage. Bondage, and you don't have to take my word for it, by the way. Look at, look at governments. Look at, look at societies you know, throughout, throughout history. Maybe people that you, you know in your own life. Look at businesses that have found freedom and prosperity only to not have changed you know, and, and developed, hey, AKA Blockbuster, where you at Blockbusters, right? Like they, they didn't change with the times. And so that prosperity only got them so far until they got relaxed and fell back into this, this season of bondage. It's this cycle that happens in our life as well. And we don't want that cycle to repeat itself. We want it to be over once and for all. So here's the question, how? Like, how does this happen? Well, assuming that you have experienced in your life a certain degree of freedom or a level of freedom, and maybe you haven't. And maybe that's why you're here today, because you're gonna experience freedom perhaps in Christ for the, the first time, but let's assume that you have a level of freedom. What's gonna keep you from falling back into that pattern uh, of bondage? Well, you should know, and maybe draw encouragement from this happened in the early church as well. In the early church, they were still battling against the, the Old Testament law and wrestling with the Old, Old Testament law, trying to keep all the commands in their own efforts, some 613 commands, by the way, and it was hard. In fact, they couldn't do it. And the reason they couldn't do it is exactly why God established it in the first place. Colby, that makes no sense. Was God just trying to, trying to make us feel like failures? No. What he was trying to do was to demonstrate to us our need for a savior, that you and I could not on our best day accomplish this on our own. Like we couldn't do it. Like, can I just say, if your system of religion is based on your own effort, you're in trouble. 
Because that's not how he established it. That's not how he set it up. In fact, all of it was to set up our need for Jesus, our need for a, a savior, ultimately for us to, to be free. And so the early church, like the New Testament church, they received this new gospel of freedom, this new gospel of grace, and they were living in it because God knows you and God knows me and he knows that only a deep, passionate love for Jesus and a relationship with him could compel us way more than any laws ever could. You realize that? Like, I don't know if you remember this, but when the nation of Israel was brought out of slavery in Egypt, 50 days later, God gave them, I don't know what's going on with me, but I'm fine, don't worry about it. I know you, <laughs> God gave them the, the, the commands. He wrote the laws out on stone tablets. Right? 50 days, 50 days later. 50 days later after Jesus rose from the grave was the day of Pentecost. That's all Pentecost means. It's, by the way, it's not some weird, spooky word. It just means 50. And so 50 days after that, God gave us this, this new law, but he didn't write it on tablets. He wrote it on our hearts through the Holy Spirit because he knew that a relationship with God through Jesus and the Holy Spirit inside of us would, would compel us way more would work better in our life than us trying to keep 613 commands. Are you, are you with me? And so he knew that, but even still, the early church started to drift. It was only a few years after the resurrection that they started to, to fall back, to backslide into the same kind of cycle of freedom, prosperity, back into bondage. And so Paul wrote this in Galatians 5.1. He says, hey guys, it is for freedom. Somebody say freedom freedom that Christ set us free. Like that's why you're free. So stand firm and don't miss this. Do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. You know what this is telling me? You and I don't have to repeat the cycle. Hey, some of you that have constantly been beating your head against a wall, time and time again, feel like a failure, feel frustrated. His word tells us we don't have to live there, that this cycle can be broken in our life. So how? Well, first you should know freedom comes in two forms. The first one is it's immediate. In Christ, it's immediate. Like again, the moment you call on his name, you are free from the penalty of sin. You have freedom. And that's often called, by the way, deliverance. But you don't just need deliverance, you need discipleship. And so it's not just immediate, it's also a, a journey. It's this journey of becoming more and more free. It's kind of like systematically peeling back the layers of an onion. You know what I'm talking about? Where you, you deal with this hurt in your life. And then you peel back another layer and you deal with that hurt in your life. And you peel back another layer and you deal with that sin. And then you peel back and you deal with that disappointment or that, that bitterness. Freedom is not just immediate, it's also progressive. It's a process. And I want to show it to you in a, in a well-known story of the prodigal son. If you have your Bible, Luke chapter 15 is where we're going to be. If you didn't bring one, it will be up on the screen as well. But if you know the story, it's about a father. And the father is a picture of God, by the way. And he has two sons. And Jesus is telling this, this parable, which is a made-up story with a point. To, to produce a, a, a point. And it's actually a very, very beautiful point. But the younger son does the unthinkable. He goes to his dad. And this is just to set it up. He says, Dad, I want my share of the inheritance now. And that might not seem like a big deal to us, but to a Jewish audience, they're freaking out. Because what that's telling them is that his son is saying, Dad, I wish you were dead. 
Like, I, I wish I didn't even have a relationship with you. I wish you were dead and gone so that I could get my money now and move on. And the father, through, through generosity and through this amazing uh, graciousness, he divides his property between his two sons. Don't miss that. We're going to come back to that. And let's pick it up in verse 13. So he divides his property, and it says, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, and he took off. He got out of there. He set out for a distant country, and he blew all of his inheritance, the Bible says, in wild living, a.k.a. hookers and crack. All right? Hookers and crack. <laughs> and wouldn't you know it, look at verse 14. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine. Like we can already see the cycle, like in his life, you know, freedom, prosperity, take all my stuff. I'm going to, I'm going to go and, and live, live wild. And so there's this cycle, freedom, prosperity, and it ends up in bondage. There is now this famine. It says there was a famine. And by the way, this happens in all of our life. Like this story we see over and over, there's famine in the whole country uh, and he began to be in need. In the New Living Translation, it says he began to starve. His hunger was starting to stir something inside of him that caused him to be desperate. And can I tell you something? Don't ever discount or discredit desperation. Like desperation is a great thing when it drives you to depend on God. But desperation can also be a bad thing when it drives you to do something else. Are you with me? But desperation, he became desperate. And once he got desperate enough, he took his first step in this journey to freedom. And it's the same first step you and I need to take. In fact, I want you to write these steps down. And here's why. You're going to need these. Like at some point in your life, this is a foundational pillar of the Christian life. And you're going to need to know this process you're going to need to work this process. You're going to need to live it out over and over again in your life if you want to truly be free. Step one, write it down, is to reveal. Somebody say reveal. Reveal what? Reveal your need for help. Admit that you got a problem. And I know the pushback here is often, Colby, I'll admit it to God, but I don't want to tell anybody else. Like, I'm fine admitting it to God because God is God. He probably already knows, but I don't want anybody else to know. In fact, what I want people to think is that I got it all together. Hey, you know, that's what social media is for, right? I want people to think my marriage is good. My family's good. My life is good. You know, it's the best it can be. But I can tell you, if that is your approach, you will never get out of bondage. If that's your, your thinking, that you don't want anybody else to know what's going on in your life. You will always stay stuck because a key ingredient to freedom is getting to that place where you say, hey, you guys, I have a problem and I need help. And no one in this room will tell you that's easy because it's not. It's difficult, especially for guys. Come on, where are my guys at? Like, we don't like to ask for help for anything. Directions, uh huh how to put something together, forget about it. Like we don't want help. And this is not just for guys, but for anyone. Like, like one of the most courageous things you can do in your life, I'm telling you, is to reveal your need for help. Watch what happens in the story. Let's pick it up in verse 15. So he went and he didn't get help. In fact, this is what he thought, I'm gonna fix it myself. I'll take care of this. 
And he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that pigs were eating. That's as low as you could possibly get. In fact, in a, to a Jewish community, pigs are as unkosher you know, of an animal as there is. And so Jesus is pulling out all the stops and telling the story. He's like, he's with the pigs, he's, he's feeding pigs, he smells like pigs, like he's holding nothing back. It says, but no one gave him anything, here's a key phrase, when he came to his senses. Listen, if you wanna be free, you gotta have that moment in your life where you're like, enough is enough. Uh, he, you have to have that mo moment where you're like, I am sick and tired of being sick and tired. Enough is enough. And can I tell you something? This is for somebody. You can't say enough for someone else. No matter how much you love them, no matter how much it hurts you to see them stuck in that cycle, no matter how much it, it drives you, like, to your knees every day to see them at rock bottom, you cannot say enough for them. Like you can only say it for you. You need to get to that place where you admit, I need some help. And what does he say? He says, how many of my father's father's hired servants have food to spare and here I am starving to death. So you can't experience ultimate freedom until you can admit first and foremost, there is a problem. Does everybody agree with that? Like, we don't understand that. We need to admit it. So let's do this. Let's make it practical. Who wants to go first? Who wants to stand up and admit, I'm just kidding. Nobody does. You're like, are we really doing this right now? No. Nobody wants to do that. Right? That's terrifying to put it out there, to tell people this is what's going on in my life. And that's why, and if you know this, you know this, that's why we have something called small groups. That's the secret of small groups. Sitting in rows right now is great, you guys. This is great. I mean, let's come together. Let's worship. Let's be inspired through God's word. Let's sing. Let's praise God. Let's do that thing. But can I tell you something? This is very unlikely to change your life. Rows don't change your life. You know what it does? Circles. When you get in a group with some people where you take off the mask and say, hey, guys, this is actually what I'm going through. This is what's going, in fact, can I just say this? If there are people, if you don't have someone in your life that knows what you're capable of when you're alone, you're in trouble. You better have someone in your life who knows like your patterns, who knows what's going on in your mind and in your heart, which is why, again, we have groups, all different kinds of groups, by the way, and this week launches our next semester of small groups. We have groups for students. We have groups for, for married couples. We have married nights that are starting. This week, we have financial peace. If that's where you need help and to find freedom in your finances, we have, we have groups that are activity-based groups. We got pickleball groups. Come on, somebody. Let's play some pickleball. Well, we're going to have a climbing group. They're going to meet together. Together. And again, I don't care what you study. I don't even care about the curriculum for, most, for the most part. What I care about is you getting in a group of people, getting in an environment where you at least give yourself a fighting chance in this world. Because how many of you know the world is tough? Can I tell you, it is exponentially more difficult when you're trying to do it alone. And some of you have been doing it alone for too long. 
And everyone in this room has the need to be needed and the need to be known. And you need to get around people so when all hell breaks loose in your life, you can turn to somebody and say, hey, can you help me out? And when all hell breaks loose in their life, they can turn to you and say, hey, can you help me out? Or can, can you help me? Like we all need to have that in our life. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, but a cord of three, right, is not easily broken. Like I will do anything to get you in that kind of environment. And I know for some of you, the pushback is, well, that makes me nervous. I don't know people. Here's what C.S. Lewis said. He said, friendship is born at the moment when you say to someone, you two, I thought I was the only one. It's kind of like that movie. Hey, did we just become friends? You know, you know what I'm talking about? I don't even know what that movie's called. I just remember that line. But for those of you that are afraid of that environment, I would respectfully say you will never experience freedom until you get in an environment where you say, hey, can I talk to you guys about what's really going on in my life? And by the way, it doesn't have to be everybody in the group because there might be a lot of people in your group. Here's what you need to do. You need to go find two other guys that look like they are way more messed up than you and say, hey guys, can you come outside? You know, you look like you're jacked up. Can I talk to you and tell you what's really going on, right? I'm serious. I mean, that helps you. You need to find somebody that you can talk to. Get free. Get free. You have to live free and you have to stay there. So first we need to reveal and admit what's going on in our life. Number two, write it down. Here's what the prodigal son did. He repented. Somebody say repent. And you got to repent to God, but check it out, to others as well. This is huge. Luke 15, 18. He says, I'm going home. He says, I will set out, go back to my father and say to my father, I have sinned against heaven and, somebody say and, and against you. So don't miss this. He realized he was not going to be free and live free by working it out with God alone. And this is a great misconception of the Christian faith, that a lot of us believe, hey, I can just tell God, you know, oh, God, I'm sorry. God, this is where, where I messed up. Me and God, we got this. You know, we'll, we'll just work on it together, and I don't need anyone else. Can I tell you something? God did not design it that way. So what makes you think it's going to work for you? Yes, we need God. God is a part of it, but we also need God's people as well. God does what people can't do, which is forgive you. This is what the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sin and purify us from all unrighteousness. But there's another part to it. Because that does not say if you confess your sins to God, you'll never do it again. If you confess your sins to God, you will never be tempted to go back into that, that habit. No, like you will. You'll repeat that cycle unless you do the second part, James 5, 16. Now confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you will be healed. So that you will keep from returning back to that same cycle over and over and over again. God designed it that we would confess to God for forgiveness and confess to others for healing. That's how he designed it. And when you do that, can I tell you something? There is a power in that. There is a strength that comes from that, from, from getting with other people and letting them know what's going on in your life. There is a, a, uh, a, an, an accountability in that. There's tremendous power in our repenting to others. Now, repenting is often a misunderstood word. People think repent just means, well, I'll go to God and I'll tell God I'm sorry, and that'll be that. That's part of it, 
but that's a very small part of it. That's not all of it. In fact, repent is the Greek word metanoia, and it comes from two different words, meta and noia, and meta is the word that we get metamorphosis from. Remember back in school? Yeah, the caterpillar made the cocoon completely changed into a butterfly, right? That's metamorphosis. That's a transformation. Noia means mind. So repent literally means to change your mind, a change of mind. How many of you change your mind in a day, in an instant, in a second? No, it's a process where you get around people and you talk to people. This is what's going on. And little by little, step by step, right, bit by bit, you're peeling back those layers, and all of a sudden you're changing the way that you're thinking, and it produces a change in the way that you are are living. But if you don't have an environment like that where you can talk to someone, you will think, well, I'll just repent, I'll say sorry to God, and that'll be God. And then when you fail again, or you go back into bondage, you're like, God, where were you? I said, I'm sorry. And God's like, yeah, you said you were sorry, but you didn't do the process. You said you were sorry, but you didn't, you didn't do the process that I outlined in my, my word for you to find freedom, to find healing in your life. And even after that, look, keep going, you're not done. I wish I could tell you that as soon as you reveal and admit that you need help, and as soon as you repent and tell God and others, you'll never have that desire to go back into bondage. But here's the reality. We have a spiritual enemy, and he wants you to fail more than anything else. And he will cause you to fail oftentimes by telling you lies. Here's what the the word of God says, is that Satan is not just a liar, he is the father of lies. That there is no truth inside of him. So he will do his best to remind you, hey, you could never change. You'll never get out of bondage. You'll never be free from that addiction. You'll never, like, this is who you are. This is who you are, all you will ever be. And so here's the next step we need to do. Write it down, is to reject. Somebody say reject. Reject daily the lies of the enemy. And here's what I know. For someone in this room, like, before you even get out to the parking lot, he will start whispering lies into your ear. And he will start trying to take the seed that's been planted in your life. And I guarantee you that by tomorrow, most of us in this room will have already heard the lies of the enemy spoken over us. And so we need to daily reject the lies of the enemy. Watch it in the story. It's an interesting part of the story of the prodigal son that doesn't get a lot of airtime. It's the big brother who's out in the field when the son comes home. And there's this big commotion going on. And so he's asking, you know, what's, what's happening? And he grabs a, a worker and he says, what's all the noise about? He says, your brother's back. Your brother that was lost has come home. Your father is, is killing the, the fat calf. Come on, there's going to be some tenderloin. We're going to have some steak together. Like we're going to celebrate and party. And what happens? The brother gets mad. He's like, are you kidding me? This son that blew everything? that spent his inheritance on on prostitutes and and booze and wild living, like there's no way. And the father comes to him and says, hey, I want you to join in the party. Look at verse 29. But he answered his father and said, hey, dad, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a goat. Listen to his absolutes that he's using. You never, you never, you never He's like, you haven't given me a a calf 
you know, or I've never even had a goat so I could celebrate with my friends, but this son of yours has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. Can I tell you something? The older son had listened to some lies. Lie number one, he says, You've, I've never disobeyed you. I've never done anything wrong. How many of you know that ain't true? Like, unless he's Jesus, like, like we've all failed. But more than that, he was badly mistaken when he said, and you've never even given me even a goat. Remember verse 12 says the son came to his father and he divided his inheritance among his boys. And in this time, the younger son would get a third of the inheritance. But you know what the older son got? Two thirds, a double portion of inheritance. Yet here he is saying, you, gave, you didn't give me anything. You haven't even given me a goat. And his dad's like, what, what are you talking about? I, I gave you the whole flock. Like everything else is, is yours. And you need to realize this too, the enemy will stop at nothing to feed you these lies. And so we need to learn how to daily reject the lies of the enemy. Second Corinthians 10, five says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. So when the enemy tells you you are not good enough, when the enemy tells you that's all you will ever be, when the enemy tells you you are an accident, no, no, you take that thought captive and you say, that's not what God says about me. God says I am good enough. God says I'm chosen. God says I'm, I'm lovable. God says I'm valuable. God calls me a son. God calls me a daughter, right? That's, that's who you are in Christ Jesus. So the father explains it to him. He's like, I got some explaining to do to you, kids. And this is what he says in verse 31. My son says, my son, the father said, you are always with me and check it out, everything. Everything that I have is yours. In fact, remember we divided this. This is all yours. You have to reject the lies. Can I ask you a question? What lie are you believing right now about you that's keeping you from living in freedom? Like, what is it? What's the hang up? Because after that, here's the last one I want to give you, and that is to receive the truth. Receive God's truth. Um, this story is probably one of the best depictions of what the gospel of Jesus looks like for us. And in fact, let me just say this. If you are just checking this thing out, you don't know who God is, and you're, you're kind of somebody invited you or brought you, like, and maybe somebody sold you a, a bill of goods about what religion is or, or who God is, let me just tell you, this is right here who God is. It's a beautiful story of the gospel that the God who who spoke the heavens into existence, the God who tells the seas where to start and where to stop, the God who holds the world in his axis would, would sit and wait and do anything for you, no matter what wild living you've gone into, no matter what your life has looked like because the son's coming home, he decides to return to the father, and band, you guys can come help me close this thing out. And the father's there waiting and I want somebody to know in this room right now, you walk through these doors, but God's been waiting on you for a long time to come home. And he loves you just as you are. 
And so he says to the son, in fact, the son, if you read it, he starts to confess his father, I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. You know, I'm not even fit to be called your son. And you know what? If you read it, go back and read it. The father doesn't even acknowledge it. He just jumps right to this. He's like, quick, hey, bring the best robe. Not just any robe, by the way. He says, the best robe that we got for this son of mine who left, who took everything, who squandered his life, who was living with the pigs. Like, quick, bring the best robe we got. Put it on him. Some of you need to receive that robe today. Some of you need to wear the robe of Christ. I'm going to tell you what that is. Put a ring on his finger and put sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf, kill it. Let's have a feast. Let's celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. And he wasn't physically dead, but he was spiritually dead. And that might be where some of you are. And the Bible says that in Christ, we become, we can become alive in Christ. It says what was dead was alive again. What is lost is found. So he began to celebrate. So he gave him a robe. He gave him a ring. And he gave him some, some shoes. First is the robe of righteousness. What is righteousness? Righteousness is just a fancy church word. Righteousness is the way that you view yourself. But can I tell you something about your righteousness? Like, you only see yourself as, as you are through the lenses of your experiences. Maybe you see yourself through the lens of the pig pen. Maybe you see yourself through the lens of wild living. Maybe you see yourself through the lens of all the ways that you've made mistakes and all the times that you've run from the Father. Maybe that's the way you see yourself, but can I tell you something? You have an inaccurate view of you. We all do. Because in Christ Jesus, when we come home, he gives us a a robe of righteousness. Isaiah says we are the righteousness of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.12 says he became sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of of God. So when we put on that robe, you know what God sees? He does not see you. He sees his son. When you put on the robe, God does not see your sin. He sees his, his son. He sees the perfect sacrifice of his son for you. So he immediately, first thing he did in this process is get him the robe. Put the robe on him. This is my son. He's, he's come home. He's come back to the father. And when you're wearing the robe, I'm telling you, It's the first start in empowering you to live a life of freedom. But he didn't stop there. He also gave him the ring, the family ring, saying, you are in this family. You're a part of this family. It was a signet ring. You know what a signet ring is? It had like the the family crest on it so that if you ever made a deal, you ever made a deal and it was written out, you would sign that deal by taking hot wax, putting it on there and putting the stamp of your family ring, the impression in it saying, hey, I have the authority as a part of this family to sign this thing. Can I tell you something? If you are wearing the ring, you have the authority that comes along with being in the family of God. You have that authority at your disposal. You have the name of Jesus that you can call on. I'm telling you, you have the ring. Sometimes, sometimes people come up to me afterward and say, Colby, can you, can you pray for me? And absolutely, yes, that's my honor. That's my privilege to be able to do that. But more, more times than not, I say, I will pray with you. I will agree with you. Because you forget you're wearing this too. Yeah, go. Don't forget you're in the family. I don't have a different position than you. 
Like if you're in the family, you're in the family. So use it, use the name of the family. And then he goes a step further and he puts shoes on his feet. You know when you came home in this culture, the first thing they do is wash your feet. Imagine the son's feet after being where he has been. Cracked, bloodied, filled with mud, maybe pig feces, infected, like nasty. But he doesn't just wash his feet. What does he do? He puts shoes on his feet. And you know why? You don't put shoes on your feet if you're going to stay in the house. You know why you put shoes on your feet? So you can get back to work. So you are not only welcome home. And in Christ, you put on that robe. You are not only have the authority of the, the name of Jesus and being part of the family, but can I tell each and every one of you something? You also have a job to do. There's work to be done. God has a purpose for your, your life to do. And it's not to be in the family because you're already in the family. You're already wearing the robe. And it's not to have the ring because you already got the ring. You have the name. But it's to fulfill the call and the purpose of God on your life. That's why we do Explore, by the way. And I know what's happening right now, and this is week one of Explore, and you missed it because they're sitting in that room right now, but you can come back next week at 1130. Maybe come to a different worship time and go through Explore because Explore helps lead you through. Like, how did God design you? How are you wired? How many of you know the two greatest days in your life are the day you were born and the day you discovered why you were born? And so that's what Explore does because you have a purpose. And God wants you to get back to work. So you need to figure it out. What is your next step? And for some of you, I was thinking about the shoes. Ephesians tell us is a part of the armor of God that, that he, he shods our feet. And I don't know what that word means, so don't know, whatever. <laughs> With the gospel of peace. You know what? peace feels a lot like is freedom. Freedom. So some of you need to put on the shoes today too. So let's stand to your feet with every head bowed, every eye closed. Let me ask you a couple questions. Hey, first of all, are you wearing the robe? Or do you need to come home to the Father today? You need to come home because God is waiting on you God says you are valuable, you are lovable, just as you are cracked feet, wild living, messed up and all. And he wants you to come home to him so he can cover you with the robe of righteousness, the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, that his death paid for your sins once and for all, past, present, and future. If you've never made that decision, today is your day. I wanna lead you in a prayer that does that in a moment. But maybe, maybe some of you need to stand in the authority that you've been given. You're a part of the family. Hey, so act like it. Call on the name of Jesus. You can be free from this pattern of, of bondage in your life. You don't have to go back to that. Jesus says that you and I don't have to. So why would you? Is there something you need to, to reveal? Is there some lie you need to reject? Like, well, what is it in the process? Where, where, where are you? Or maybe, maybe today, you need to put on the shoes. You need to get to work. 
you know there's a purpose that God has on your life and you've been putting it off, well, no more. Well, no more, not today. And so I wanna pray for those of you that would say, today I need to put on the robe of righteousness. The Bible says as we confess Jesus as Lord, we believe in our heart, God raised him from the dead, we would be saved. And maybe you're coming home to the Father after being gone a long time and you're trying to get your life in order and right with God, or maybe you've never made that decision, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer that does that. If you'd say, Colby, when you're praying that prayer, I'm praying right along with you with every head bowed, every eye closed. Would you throw up your hand? I just wanna see who I'm praying with today. That says, today I'm coming home. I'm putting my, my life in Jesus's hands. I'm gonna let, let him and his sacrifice pay for my sins. That's awesome, hands all over this room. Praise God for all of you. You can put your hands down. We're gonna pray this out loud together and invite my church family to pray this with you, those of us, even if you're already wearing the robe, let's pray this out loud with those around you to give them courage. You can say something like this, Jesus, today I'm coming home. Thank you for salvation. I repent from my sin and I confess you as Lord. I believe you died and rose again so that I could be made new. I give you my life. I am who you say I am not who I say I am. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast. We hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com yes. There will be some practical resources to help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate, go to elevatechurch.com give. Thank you for living generously. We hope you enjoyed this message. Have a great week.